adventurers, and welcome to Dungeons and Newbies, episode number 11. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the 5th edition character sheet. Today, I am joined by a good friend and someone I regularly play D&D with, JJ. Hey, it's me. For this episode, we have broken up the character sheet in nine equal parts. We will be referring to these as the cardinal and ordinal directions, north, east, south, west, northeast, southeast, southwest, and northwest. We will be calling the center square the center. We will also be using the default 5th edition character sheet, with skills listed in alphabetical order. We will be tackling each, air quotes, block of the character sheet at a time. This topic will be broken up into three different parts. Part 1 will be dedicated to the first page, the second part the second page, and the third the third page. One more thing before we start. This is intended for beginners who are unfamiliar with the character sheet's layout. In an attempt to make it less of an intimidating piece of paper to look at. First up, we have the topmost block. The namespace is in the northwest section of the first page of the character sheet. This section is for the character's name. In the north section of your, the first page, we can see places titled class and level and race. These places are for your character's class and level and their race, respectively. Class is going to be fighter, cleric, barbarian, rogue, warlock, or any of the classes in the player's handbook. Um, or Xanathars, depending on what you're playing with. Level is going to be your character level, be it anywhere between 1st or 20th level. Your race is elf, dwarf, gnome, human, half-orc, halfling, tiefling, or any of the other races in Dungeons & Dragons. On the border of the north section and the northeast section, we have two places to write in information about your character. These places are titled Background and Alignment. Background refers to what your character did before they started adventuring, be it criminal or sailor. These backgrounds can be found in the player's handbook. Alignment refers to your character's outlook on the world, whether it is lawful good, chaotic evil, or anywhere in between. I will do an episode in the future all about alignment and my thoughts on what each alignment means for your character. Don't worry. In the northeast section, um, we have two more spaces for you to input information. These two sections are called player name and experience points. These two sections can be extremely useful. The first place is for your name. If your DM takes your character sheet at the end of a session, I highly recommend using this space, just to make sure they don't forget which character goes to what player. I typically ignore that space because of two reasons. First, the DMs I play with are very good at remembering which character goes to which player. And the second, I usually keep my character sheets after the session. The experience points section is a place for you to constantly write, erase, and rewrite how much of your experience your character has accumulated. With some DMs, this space is less useful than with others. However, it is a useful place to keep track of the XP your character has accumulated. This brings an end to the topmost block of information. Next up, we have a block that runs down the westernmost side of the first page of this character sheet. Second, second up, we have the abilities and scores block. This block is all about the six different abilities your character has. Strength, Dexterity, Constitution, Intelligence, Wisdom, and Charisma. In the Northwest section, we have Strength and Dexterity. In the West section, we have Constitution, Intelligence, and Wisdom. And in the Southwest section, we have Charisma. These are all titled. We generally use the larger of the two sections in each of these to write the ability modifier, be it plus one to plus five, Whereas we generally use the smaller, more ovular section to write in the ability score, which would be anywhere between 1 and 20, 
or realistically three and twenty. Um, we did this for the main reason of ease your ability modifier more often, so it's a lot easier to look at at a glance. Um, so this makes the modifier a lot bigger and a lot easier to read, but it's really up to you. Directly to the east of the strength area, still in the northwest section, you can see two areas titled Inspiration and Proficiency Bonus. These areas are for exactly what their titles imply. Proficiency Bonus is for a modifier to all of your proficient roles. At level 1, your modifier is plus 2. This modifier will increase as you level up your character. We'll get more into proficiency in the next two blurbs that we have to say. Um, directly below the proficiency bonus area, we see a place titled Saving Throws. This is located in the northwest and west section. This is the area where you can see all of your abilities again with lines and a circle to the left of the names. The lines are for you to write your modifiers to the saving throws, and the circle is to mark if you're proficient in said saving throw. You can determine if you are proficient in a saving throw by reading through your class in the player's handbook. You can determine your relevant saving modifier by looking at the modifier for the relevant ability, strength, dexterity, etc., and adding your proficiency bonus if and only if you're proficient in the saving throw. You roll a saving throw anytime your dungeon master asks you to make a saving throw. Um, whenever you make the saving throw, you add the relevant modifier to the type of saving throw your DM asks you to make. Right below saving throws is a section titled Skills. This is a place for you to do the same thing as saving throws. You look at the associated ability, adding proficiency bonus if you are proficient, which you add to the roll. You can tell what ability the skill is tied to by looking at the parentheses after the name of the skill. For example, if you are a first-level character, have a plus three in dexterity, and was proficient in the sleight-of-hand skill, your DM may ask you to make a sleight-of-hand check. You would roll the d20, adding your sleight-of-hand modifier, a plus five, plus three of which is for your dexterity, and plus two for your proficiency bonus. You would then tell them the total of your roll, plus five. Immediately below skills and abilities, you have the passive wisdom. Some DMs don't use passive checks, but it's still good to have. For this, you're going to take 10 and add your perception modifier. Your percep passive perception could be something like 12, for example. The third block is what I like to call the combat block. This is because it includes armor class, initiative, speed, hit points, temporary hit points, death saves, attacks, and spellcasting. This block starts at the north section, continues through the center section, and finishes in the south section. Let's start at the top. The first area in this block is armor class. This is the section for your armor class, which is the difficulty something has to match or beat to hit you with an attack. This number can be affected by armor, shields, dexterity, items, and other variables, depending on the DM and the class. Your initiative is how quickly you can act in a fight. This modifier is almost always your dexterity modifier. You can add this modifier when the DM calls for a roll of initiative. To the right of your initiative is speed. Your character's speed is how far your character can move on their turn in combat. Below all three of these, there is the hit point area. This is for tracking both your character's maximum hit points and their current hit points. Maximum hit points should only be changed upon leveling up or when your DM tells you that it changes. Your current hit points change every time you take damage, whether it is from a sword or fall, or if you get healed. Below that, we have temporary hit points. This is where you would track any temporary hit points, whether awarded by the DM, a spell, an item, or something similar. You would subtract from these temporary hit points before you subtract from your current hit points. Below the temporary hit points is a section titled Hit Dice. 
Your hit dice are determined by your class, and the number of hit dice you have is determined by your level. You may use hit dice during a short rest to increase your current hit points unless otherwise stated by something like a spell or your dungeon master. To the right of hit dice is a place called Death Saves. This is 5th edition's way of killing characters. Once you drop to zero hit points, you are unconscious and must make death saving throws on your turn. For a death saving throw, you roll a d20. If you roll below a 10, you fail. If you roll a 10 or higher, you succeed. Mark these successes and failures in their circles. If you roll a 1, you take two failures, whereas if you roll a 20, you instantly stabilize with one hit point. If you accumulate three failures, your character dies. If you accumulate three successes, you become stable. When you are stable, you still have zero hit points and are unconscious, but you don't have to make these death saving throws anymore. Below these two sections is a section entitled Attacks and Spellcasting. This section is for keeping track of weapons, spellcasting, and other combat-related things. There are three blocks within the Attacks and Spellcasting. This is where I put weapons, their attack bonus, and their damage and type. I put the name in the first section, their attack bonus in the second, and their damage and type of damage in the third. To determine attack bonus, you add your strength or dexterity modifier. If it is a melee weapon, you use strength. If it is a ranged weapon, you use dexterity, for the most part. We'll touch on that in a second. And if you are proficient in that weapon, you add your proficiency bonus. This attack bonus is the number you add to your d20 roll when you are attacking with that weapon. You determine the damage of the weapon and their properties by consulting the player's handbook. The next block is a little something I like to call the roleplay block. This is because this is where you should be getting most of your roleplay information about your character. Within this block, there are four sections. These sections are personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. You get all of these from your background in the player's handbook. I'm going to talk about these in a different order than they appear on the character sheet, as I think they have certain roles in building up roleplay for your character. First, we're going to start with the ideals section, which should be the second from the top if you have the default 5e character sheet. I generally think of the ideals you will come up with for your character as a sort of baseline for your roleplay, as it will determine what actions your character takes and what decisions your character makes. The ideal I generally put in the box is one of your biggest ideals that reveals a lot about your moral compass, etc. Um, this ideal should go in before the beginning of the campaign, but I really think fleshing out your character's moral compass and other ideals should come as you play. For example, what do you do in certain moral quandaries? Are you a kind, lawful soul, or a ruthlessly efficient soldier who gets the job done? These, among other things, should be the influencing factors in your ideals. Next up, we're going to be talking about personality traits. The personality trait should be general, similar to the ideal you put in the box, but the true personality of your character will probably be fleshed out during play. Next up is bonds. Pretty simple. Generally, it's just the reasoning behind why you're doing whatever it is you are doing in this game, and occasionally it can give the DM some little side quests for you. Flaws are going to be essentially a simple personality flaw that could cause issues in the campaign. However, be sure to make your flaw relevant to the campaign, as it adds more depth and character to the campaign if you play it this way. The next block is titled Features and Traits. This block is located in the West and Southwest sections. This is where I put all the racial and class features, abilities, and traits. 
This is also where I put the feats once I get them. The second to last block is entitled Equipment, which is located in the southern section. This block is broken up into two different sections, Coinage and Equipment. The Coinage section contains a place for you to keep track of your character's money in all of its amazing coins, copper, silver, electrum, gold, and platinum. The Equipment section is devoted to housing all the random crap your character carries, be it a backpack and a water skin, or a hunting trap and a tent. The final block is titled Other Proficiencies and Languages, which can be found in the southwestern section of the first page of the character sheet. This is where I would keep track of the languages your character speaks, and the proficiencies outside of your skills that your character has. These proficiencies can include weaponry, armor, tools, vehicles, musical instruments, and more. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. Reviews help us get noticed and let more people know we're here. We exist. Hi. If you really enjoyed, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash dungeonsnewbies. You can listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, our Patreon, Stitcher, YouTube, our website, dungeonsandnewbies.com, and almost anywhere else you get your podcasts from. Thank you all so much for listening, and until next time, adventurers. <laughs>